Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey Jody, how you doing today? Hello Paul, how are you? I'm doing well, uh, fantastic. Uh, today's topic is getting ready for tax season. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this week. The first story that we're looking at is in the Crescent News in Defiant, Defiance, Ohio. Is that the what I'm reading? I love now? the name of that town, yeah. Defiance, Ohio. That's what it was. Okay, okay. Like and it's... live free or die, different state, <laughs> but it's the same thing. Uh, yeah, I, I just love the – I didn't know that was uh, the name of a town. But anyway, Steve Siebold, students should learn personal finance. I thought this was a great article. Um and I think we've talked about this from time to time, but I guess the gist of the article is that you can't get a high school diploma um, unless you pass this new class, which is a personal finance class. And it was voted on earlier in the month in the State Board of Education for North Carolina. And it's great news and more states need to follow suit. So I think this is key because I could tell you from personal experience, I had a little bit of financial knowledge going into uh, coming out of high school and going into college, but I, I don't think nearly enough. Uh, what was your take on this article? I love this article, Paul, and it is absolutely right. And it's funny because I have a client, uh, a small bank in Massachusetts, and we have been uh, talking about this same kind of issue that most states in the United States um, do not have, uh, most states uh, do not have a, a formal high school finance curriculum. So high schools, and I'm not knocking high schools, don't get me wrong, but most high schools will teach everything but um, financial education. And kids get out of high school and go on to college in some cases, and they don't understand how to balance a checkbook, which actually is you probably don't even have to do anymore, but don't understand how to budget, don't understand how to save, don't understand how to effectively use credit or things like that, not that we'd like to use credit cards, Point is, is that, and this is this is a great article. Points it out yet again. Um, states need to do a better job, uh, and they need to put financial education as part of the high school curriculum. It is an absolute must. Um, too many kids don't get exposed to it. Um, uh, you know, we rely on the on the home setting, which we which we should, you know, to get a financial education. But it's got to be part of of the the formal high school curriculum too. I think there's a great article. More states should do to this. Um, shame on the states that don't. And I'm looking at new you, New York. Um, you don't either. Um, we we've got to have this in the schools. It's an absolute must. No, I can't I can't agree more. It, it really is something that we need to uh, focus on and get the kids engaged, and I think the earlier the better. So I think at the high school level, it's a perfect time to start that discussion with kids and really get them acclimated to, to managing their financial future. Um, so the, the second story, which I thought was a fun one, uh, given the, the time of year we're in, uh, Valentine's Day was yesterday at the recording of this podcast. Uh, people are spending $1.7 billion, with a B, not M, uh, $1.7 billion on Valentine's for their pets. <laughs> I thought this was amazing uh, to me. I didn't think this was uh, something that was almost real, but of course it is. Uh, but, uh, but all kidding aside, um, I have so many friends that are pet lovers, um, and I'm a pet lover. Uh, I don't own a pet. We've talked about this on previous podcasts when we talk about uh, pets. 
but um, I could believe it, and um, I could tell you that I don't think I, you know, uh, in our house, um, we're a very reasonable household. Uh, Valentine's uh, Day gifts are at a, um, I think at a, I don't want to say minimum. Minimum's not the right word, but uh, we try to be reasonable. Maybe reasonable. Uh, what, what's your take on this story, Jody? I love this story. Uh, not surprising at all. I mean, the pet industry is a huge moneymaker in this country. Um, again, not knocking it. I think it's great. I think if your pet gives you love and gives you happiness, um, you should have your pet uh, of choice. Uh, these were This story was the aggregation of a couple of studies, uh, I think, that's been around. Uh, uh, one of them said that um, uh, a 2018 survey is what's quoted in this story uh, by Purina, uh, talking about uh, half of female dog owners say they'd rather spend time with their pooches than with their romantic partners. Um, I'm, we don't have a dog, but I bet my wife was part of that story. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, love my, I love my wife. And I gave her a Valentine's gift yesterday because you cannot screw up Valentine's Day. Guys, we know this. You cannot screw up Valentine's Day. Um, it, you don't have to go overboard, but don't mess it up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is probably a very astute financial observation. Yes. If there uh, is anything you take away from today's podcast, do not screw up Valentine's Day. <laughs> agreed, agreed. And you have to read the story just for the pet picture that's on the marketwatch.com, uh, the top of the news story. Uh, it's a great little picture of a little dog uh, kind of holding a heart with his paw. So it's a great story to read. Uh, but yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, your pets are... Uh, are an important part of your life and 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 if you want to make that um get them a nice valentine's day treat i would agree um maybe just don't go overboard but you know overboard for one is is not overboard for another so use your discretion on how well you want to treat your pet nothing wrong with it so um so we'll i guess so uh, okay now on to today's uh, weekly topic right getting ready for tax season how to prepare and successfully complete this yearly task so my current situation is I'm a technology manager uh, who majored in accounting. Um, everyone knows that, um, that good friends of mine, and it's on my resume. I think I'm, a, I'm better at technology than accounting, but I still have a decent grasp on accounting. Um, I have a good friend of the family uh, that uh, I do my taxes with every year, and I started filing my taxes at age 14. Uh, my first official job, made enough money, needed to do a tax return, I remember sitting in my parents' kitchen with him. Uh, this was old school, right? Uh, calculator, uh, pen, paper, filling out the forms. Now everything is electronic and digital for the most part. Um, and getting all those, all that work done, um, you know, manually, very manually. Now it's dramatically different. That same person has all the accounting software, the turbo taxes, and the different software packages that exist that allow you to do everything electronically and file electronically. So we've come a long way from when I was 14 doing this all manually. Um, but um, we, we do it sort of as a ritual, as an outing every year, and, and, it's, and it's great. So I wouldn't trade it um, at this point. My method uh, is that I have a central location for all paperwork. We've talked about that on previous podcasts. Um, I like to have everything in one spot. So when tax season arrives, I summarize everything going into that one to two hour session. So if I have real estate taxes, I sum up the totals. I uh, paperclip everything, get it into, into one big folder. And then when I go to his home and we start doing the paperwork, I just go one by one until the folder's empty. We get all the inputs and then I see the output come out. And it's usually a one to two hour session. And I'm always surprised at the outcome 
both good and bad, meaning am I getting a refund or I have to pay? Um, we try to make sure we maximize uh, or we, we minimize deductions in our personal finance because I always I don't want to pay. I, I rarely have to pay, but I'm always surprised when the numbers aren't what I think they will be. Some years I think I'm getting more, some things, years I'm getting less. Um, last year, on a personal note, I thought given all the promises that were made, I was going to get more money, and that didn't happen. I, I actually got less money back, but that's what probably a, a topic what a shock. for another podcast. So anyway, um, you know, uh, when it comes to doing my taxes, I'd like to have a second set of eyes on the numbers. Um, I think I could do them myself, but I think that having uh, the friend of the family worked them with me, we both have an opportunity to kind of do them together to minimize error. So the other tip that I would give is if you're going to do your taxes yourself or do them with, a, with your accountant, do it at a decent hour. Don't try to do it after work, 7, 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> do your taxes as early as possible in the day when you're refreshed because those two hours, there's a lot of detail and it needs to be entered into the inputs um, to, to do your taxes right. So I would say definitely do it at a decent hour and make sure you're not hungry. It's almost like going to the supermarket, right? Make sure you're not hungry. Do it at a decent hour. Um, try to do it as early in the day as possible uh, to minimize any errors uh, that you may have. You don't want to be sleepy in doing your taxes. You just gave me a great idea for a new business, Paul. We're going to have the, the, the CPA, the tax CPA in a corner of the supermarket. Mm. And, and we're going to and we're going to have you can you can drop off your your stuff there at the CPA when you walk in and you go do your shopping. And when you when you're done, and you come back, your taxes are finished. Oh, that's that's a good point. And that was a good segue into my next uh, point that I was going to bring was I have friends and family that do have all sorts of different ways they complete their taxes. Some do it themselves and they're very hands-on. Um, some go to their accountant and they sit with their accountant and do it. Others are very hands-off. They just, like you just said, they bring the big pile over to the accountant, they pay the fee, and they bring it back with no questions and they file as is. Um, some people get in the details, some people are somewhere in the middle. So, uh, But realistically, um, as a family with one to two incomes, and most of our audience is probably that, most of our audience probably has a standard job, W-2 type job, so they don't own their own business, unlike yourself, Jody, um, where they're getting the W-2. There's very few deductions anymore for a person with a standard job. So I could rattle off most of them in my head, uh, and, and, and that's really all you have is, is charity. You can write off some charitable deduction, uh, real estate taxes and home interest expense, which has been drastically minimized. But you get to write those off. Um, I'm trying to think what other pieces. Um, you know, some medical. If but most people, you know, and and people who get a chance to write off their medical are usually people that are have you know a lot of sickness in the family. So if you don't have medical to write off, don't worry, you're in a good, you're in a good place. <laughs> but there's very few deductions, and I've had this discussion with our financial superhero. And uh, he says the same thing. There really are very few deductions that are available for someone with a standard W-2. And so it's, it's very interesting to me how that all works. But Jody, what's your current situation uh, when it comes to uh, filing your taxes and, and doing your taxes? Yeah, so I'll confess that I'm 
fairly hands off with with my taxes. I have someone do do them for me uh, simply because it's another one of those skills that I just don't have and certainly don't have well enough to make sure that I'm doing it properly. Uh, and when you're talking about having to either um, pay significant amounts of money and to me anything more than you know about a hundred two hundred dollars is a significant amount of money for me um, or get back the same amount um, I want to make sure that someone's doing it and doing it properly and doing it in an organized way and you know so so I'm sitting down with them just like you said Paul you know for an hour or two once a year I know it gets done right last year I sat down with um, my CPA um, and we literally just went through the form that right there on his computer he plugged in all the numbers and at the end of the meeting the, the, it was done, right? And he he practically hit return and sent it in, uh, and filed it electronically. Um, so so I choose to work with a CPA. Um, early on, uh, I guess it was probably about 15 years ago. I worked with uh, a, a a company, and the CFO of the company um, came to me, and he looked at my. Uh, he was looking at my pay stub, and he's like, "You're not taking out enough money here. You're not doing this right." Um, and he sat down and he, he explained to me, which at, at the time was mind blowing to me, how you boost your number of dependents in order to take enough money out of your um, weekly paycheck so that you're not paying anything at the end of the year. And his attitude, and that's the attitude that I've adopted, is you should break even at the end of the year or get as close to it as possible. In other words, you shouldn't get a refund and you shouldn't have to pay anything. Um, because as we all know, if you're, if you're getting a big refund, that means that you've been parking all that money with the federal government and the state government all year long and you're getting their uh, measly, you know, almost 0% interest uh, on your money. And at the very least, even if you're not making interest, it's money that you should have had in your pocket all year long um, to do with what you wanted to do with as opposed to what they want to do with your money, right? So, so but my approach is that I always like to get just a little bit of a refund enough that I can pay my CPA. And then if there's a couple bucks left over, great, we'll go out to dinner, we'll go see a movie or, you know, something like that. But that's kind of where I land on, on getting my taxes done. Uh, and also what I like to do in terms of either having to pay or having to get a, a, a refund. And if I have to pay a couple bucks, eh, fine, I have to pay a couple hundred dollars. No big deal. If it goes beyond that sort of 200 to $500 mark, um, either on the refund side or on the pay side, then I know I'm doing something wrong. Uh, and so I need to adjust my W-2. Another thing too, Paul, I think we, we need to talk about is that, you know, this is, um, this is a scenario, taxes are a scenario, which is kind of a, a set it and forget it. You know, you do, you fill out this form once, um, at a job and you leave it that way. You have, most people just tend to leave it and they don't pay attention to it. They see the deductions come out every week in their, in their pay stub and they get to the end of the year and they either owe or they get a refund on their taxes and that's kind of it. And I think you have to start from the perspective of you have the ability to change this. Um, you know, yes, a lot of it is out of your control in terms of the tax law and what you're allowed to deduct and how you're allowed to do this. Um, but you are, you also have a bit of control here in, in, in determining your destiny of how much gets taken out of your paycheck. And then that 
has an impact on what you either get refunded or what you have to pay come tax time. Um, so really, if, if something's out of whack there in either direction, really sit down and look at your family finances and especially your, your, your W-2 at your job and figure out how you can change that to even it out a little bit. And if you have a, you know, a access to a CPA, go talk to them, you know, even pay them, you know, you know, an hourly rate or whatever you need to pay them to sit down and do this. It will save you, especially if you're, you're getting refunds of thousands of dollars or you're paying thousands of dollars. It's worth it to sit down and pay a few hundred bucks for an hour session and, and figure this stuff out. And most, most CPAs will probably do that for free. You know, they'll just, because they'll want your business come tax time. Um, so, so make sure you do that. Oh, that's a great tip. That's a great tip. A lot of good things you came across that I was just jotting notes feverishly on. Um, so one of them was, um, you know, the whole being hands off. There's no right or wrong, right? Um, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think it's personality and what's right for you. We always talk about that. I'm, I'm in the details with my taxes um, and it's okay to be hands off with the taxes and leave them to the pros. So I, I don't disagree with that. Um, two of the deductions that I forgot about that came to mind when we were talking, um, while you were talking, was the four, was four hundred one k retirement that that comes off your uh, your gross income, right? So any money you put into your four hundred one k is is tax free typically. So if not if you're doing the Roth, but if you're doing a traditional four hundred one k plan, um, so that's a great deduction. That money's going into an account tax free. It comes off your AGI, your adjusted gross income. Same thing with um, five twenty nine plan contributions, depending on what state you're in. In New York State, you get to deduct 529 plan contributions um, from your uh, tax return, your New York State return. So just something to keep in mind. Um, so it will help you uh, reduce your tax load so that um, you, you might pay a little less over time. Um, it's funny about the philosophy. Me and my wife, and I'm a staunch believer in claiming on your W-2 single zero and leaving it there. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a contrast to what you're talking about, Jody. Um, I think for me, it comes down to it's great to, to break even if you can. Uh, but I like the built-in savings factor. This was more of an argument you brought up that the government's sitting with your money. It was more of an argument when... We were getting paid decent amount of money uh, for uh, from from interest rates, but right now where interest rates sit, I think it's negligible. But I I, I don't think there's right or wrong. I think in our household, um, I like the fact that if I claim single zero, the likelihood of paying anything is very low. And I could tell you that since we do single zero every year, net net we always get a refund, even if we are getting a refund refund from the government and uh, from the federal government and we have to pay New York state government net net there's always a refund I haven't hit a year God in you know ever where we had uh, had to pay more than the refund and and you're right though if you talk to accountants they'll say Paul that's wrong you need to break even the problem that I have is the predictability and the forecast and in my life, it was it was tougher to do that. Maybe it's a little smoother now, but um, for me, I don't mind having the built-in savings and it allows me not to spend that money. Uh, and when we get that money at the end of the year, we just kind of pop it into um, savings, which is great. And then you mentioned, um, I think you mentioned timing. Um, for me, I like to file uh, as early as possible. I think um, 
I'd like to do it in the February time frame and at the recording of this podcast. I have not done my taxes as of yet. I used to be very Simpsons-like with my taxes. Ned Flanders, there was an episode where uh, the clock strikes midnight and he's at the post office at 9 a.m. on the, on the 2nd uh, sending his taxes into the federal, you know, to the government. He had his tax return done. That's what he does on, on New Year's Eve. Oh, January 1st. Better get going on those taxes, Nettie. Daddy, what do taxes pay for? Oh, why everything. Policemen, trees, sunshine. And let's not forget the folks who just don't feel like working. God bless them. Um, so um, I used to like to get my taxes done way earlier. Uh, but now, as long as I get them done by... Um, April, I'm probably okay, but I really do prefer to get them done in the as early as possible in the February time frame. When do you usually file your taxes, Jody? As soon as possible. Yeah, me, uh, I have an appointment in about a week or two with my CPA to uh, to get our taxes filed and done. Um, uh, and that's because our our tax return isn't that complicated either. You know, I mean, most people are not going to have these sort of high deduction or high itemized, uh, highly itemized kind of uh, taxes. And now with the with the new law, uh, I think it's designed to, um, well, it's designed to favor the rich, let's be obvious. But at the same time, the law has changed to the point where most people are going to be filing a, a, a standard deduction type of a tax return anyway. Um, so yeah, I get them done as soon as possible. And I, and I get that all straightened out because that's going to also determine my budget. And I like to get um, that settled in Q1 of every year. So then Q2 and on throughout the rest of the year in my budget spreadsheet, um, I know exactly what there's going to do. And that's the, that's the only, I think, major question mark that I leave in my budget throughout the entire year is that, that one point in February or March where am I going to have to pay or am I going to have to, um, am I going to, you know, get something to put in our savings account? Yeah, understood. Understood. And I think for me, I'm in the same boat. I'd like to get them done early. And I think, I do have a date secured to do them. I put it in my friend's calendar, and it is in February. If it's not next Friday, it's the Friday after, um, that we will sit down. Um, I will get to his home, hopefully 5 p.m. on the dot, as early as possible, um, and spend that hour to two hours, and hopefully it's less than two hours, and go through the numbers and, and do it methodically. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm more hands-on with it. When it comes to uh, my taxes, I'd like to know where it's what's happening and and how it's impacted. And then sometimes we do some analysis. We do some what if scenarios. What if I had a piece of rental property? What if um, I did this type of uh, if I did X or Y? So we we do do some scenarios based on the numbers. So it is an interesting effort to try to figure out, you know, uh, are there any ways to maximize? But the reality typically is that there's very few deductions that. A typical person gets, and to your point, standard deduction is probably something that's in, in most people's future, and it's going to be very hard. It's going to be much harder and harder to find those deductions that you that you may need to reduce your tax bills. So um, I guess um, we'll jump into some of the discussion topics, right? So choosing the right accountant. So for me, I have my friend. We do the taxes together. I have access to our financial superhero for any complicated tax questions that I may have, and I've thrown some doozies at him. I have another good friend of mine who is a uh, tax wizard. Uh, he does it for a living. Um, he does tax planning for super wealthy, high net worth individuals, and he's just hands-on. He's got a master's of tax law from NYU. He's a brilliant accountant, but between 
uh, our financial superhero, and my other buddy. Man, there hasn't been a tax question that these guys couldn't tackle with ease. I mean, just like off the top of their head. They didn't even have to Google, right? They just know exactly to the detail almost what number in the law it is. So having the right team around you is key. And that goes for, you know, going off a little bit on a tangent, the right accountant, the right attorney for wills and estates uh, planning, um, the right financial advisor. Uh, some of these uh, people that you want in your lives, you want to build that trust with. And I think it's, they have to earn your trust in terms of being the right fit for you personality-wise um, and, and et cetera. So what are your takes when it comes to choosing the right accountant, Jody? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Paul. And, and I think that choosing the right accountant, uh, you could sort of add to that list choosing the right doctor. You know, you have to you have to go to professionals who, number one, are competent and know what they're doing, but also people who you can kind of get along with. And not to say that you want to, you know, be buddy buddy or go out and drink a beer, but someone you can sit with for that one or two hours and not only go through the the subject matter that you're talking about, but also just having a conversation and, and understanding that they understand you, they understand your life, they understand your situation. Uh, my CPA is also my financial advisor. Um, so he understands everything that's going on with our money and how to, not that we have a ton of it, but you know, just some retirement accounts. But but the point being is that he understands the full picture. He's not sort of outside of that circle or like in a Venn diagram, you know, where you've got a financial advisor and an accountant and they sort of they cross over in that one little, you know, area for that, you know, one week a year. And otherwise they're completely separate. Um, so choose somebody who you like. Choose, obviously choose someone who's competent, but choose someone who you can sit with and talk with and get along with because they, they, if you choose the right one, they'll be with you your whole life. Um, just like choosing a doctor, you know, I, I used to hear this old adage about, you know, choose a doctor who's your age so you can grow old together. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, right? Mm. Um, choose someone because you'll go through the same things together at the same times, right? Um, choose someone who can walk with you through your full financial plan, your full financial life. Um, and and guide you and teach you how to do these things the best that you can. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, I have a lot of friends that have accountants, and they love their accountant. They're, they're the, you know, if you ask them, hey, I need someone to do my taxes. Oh, I got my guy or my gal, whatever that, you know, whatever that person is. Um, they, they build that rapport. They burn that, they, the, the, the accountant has earned that trust with the with you as a customer and you are able to um, you know handle any any situation that comes your way and and hopefully that accountant has your back in terms of if there's an audit that comes up and it might not be for any kind of reason other than you're spin the wheel and you've been picked um, for, for an audit right that that's something that's interesting you want the right person in your corner that will come with you and and, and argue with you and and work with you on your behalf and they I believe they have a responsibility as they have to sign your paperwork right as they're the ones that helped you and they're the accountant that worked on your paperwork right so they have to come with you into battle so to speak if you have to go up against an IRS audit but um, that's probably a whole other podcast right in terms of uh, going through that and I've never been through one now that I've said that Jody I bet you in the next couple of months never anyway, anyway. oh did you just jinx yourself hold on 
I think I might have yeah. just jinxed myself. I got. I just got done. Sidebar. I just got done uh, sitting uh, a week of waiting for jury duty, and I didn't get picked. Thank you. Ah. Okay. Okay. So well, let's see. Hopefully the uh, the karma gods won't hear this podcast, um, at least this week. Um, so I think that. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting thing that relationship with your accountant, and you want to you just want to have the right fit, just like everything else, right? And the right fit for you may not be the right fit for me, and vice versa. So when you're doing your of trying to find your accountant, shop around a little bit, get some recommendations from friends and family, and um, and as always, uh, whether you're picking a contractor or an attorney or a real estate uh, agent, um, same thing applies to an accountant. Talk to a couple of different people. Go with the one you like. Um, so I think the next topic is, so you owe, and you may owe a lot. How do you pay? Uh, lump sum from savings, putting on a credit card, pay over time. For me, it's, it's I pay one lump savings. I, I pay one lump from savings. The few times I've had to pay uh, New York State, usually the, the timing is there, so I could pay from the federal return. But if the federal check isn't in by the time I got to pay the New York State, I'm okay. But I haven't had to pay. So uh, in terms of a net result of, of, of both returns having to pay on both. So uh, what is your take on this, Jody? It sounds like, um, well, I know, I think you might have wrote this discussion topic. So have you had to pay? And if so, how did you handle it? Yeah, in the past, I have had to pay. In one year, I had to pay quite a bit. Uh, knock on wood, I'm hoping that, that that won't be the case. It wasn't the case for me last year, and I'm kind of worried why it wasn't the case last year, because uh, everyone else seems to have got hammered last year, but we'll see what happens this year. Um, there was one year that I had to pay quite a bit, and there was no offset. You know, There was no pile of money to dip into, and I, I believe that I did some kind of a payment program, and the IRS has at least for federal return, and I'm sure the state does too, has, you know, ways that you can pay, um, pay monthly, uh, with some interest. Um, and, and, uh, your accountant probably always gives you this whole, uh, quarterly thing, you know, where pay these taxes quarterly and you won't have to pay anything at the end of the year. I've never done that. Um, there's probably some merit to it. I've just never done it. Um, uh, the other way that you can pay is you can always put you, the, what you owe on a credit card, which I think is a bad idea for a number of reasons. Um, number one, you're just putting something on a credit card, which is a bad thing to do. Now, sometimes you're backed into a corner and you have no other options because um, you don't want to mess with not paying your taxes. So we'll put that disclaimer up front. Um, but you know, you're, you're putting it on a credit card, so you're setting yourself up for debt, plus you're paying what could be 20% interest on your taxes, which is just you know bonkers to me. Um, so like they, they almost double get you, right? The, the, mm. the, the, the IRS and the state gets you and then the credit card company gets you too. Everybody's getting rich off of you, um, not having set up your taxes right a year before. So that's why we go back to what we said earlier is make sure you've got this stuff ironed out. And if you find a problem this year, make sure you sit down with your tax professional and, or your, or your, uh, folks at work. You know, they can walk you, whether it's your CFO or your HR or whatever. If there's something wrong with your taxes this year, get right into your company's office, your employer's office, and figure out what's wrong with your W-2 and fix it right away so you don't repeat the same problem next year. But back to how to pay, you know, there are a number of different ways. You can either 
dip into some kind of savings that you might have set aside. And we always try to set aside some savings. Um, in addition to our regular savings, we try to set aside a little bit of a nut just to make sure that we're safe and we're not, we're not digging into the savings that we're trying to do for other projects around the house. You can put it on a credit card or you can enter into a payment project uh, a plan. But um, the bottom line is if you got to pay, they're going to make you pay. So pay as quickly as possible and as reasonably as possible for you and your budget. And that goes back to making sure that you have a budget and making sure that you understand that if you do have to enter into a payment program that you can afford it. And the only way you're going to know that is to write it all down. Great advice. Great advice. I mean, I think that for me, um, that is key, right? It's all key advice. I haven't had to pay, but I, I like to do my taxes myself and I do have a good understanding of of how the numbers work so like i said my my single zero trick usually works for me um I, in terms of if i don't claim any if i'm me and my wife we don't claim any dependents through the year so we don't even claim you know married one or anything like that it's all single zero so honey whose children are these that's right and and at the end of the year we get to put us all down and so i think for me that's my safe bet in terms of i know with reasonable insurance that I, I will not have to pay because I make sure that, and it, it, you know, throughout the year, does it reduce my weekly into, you know, the, the reduce the money coming into the household? Absolutely. Uh, by dramatic, by dramatic amounts, not really. Uh, for me, it's peace of mind, uh, single zero, both times. And, um, you know, you won't get burned. Right. And I think that's the key that for me, but to your point, watching it, adjusting it, Making sure you break even is probably a better advice than I'm giving, um, but I prefer the single zero method. Um, so you got a refund. Was it too much? And how do you reduce your refund for next year? I think we talked about this, right, in terms of um, making sure that uh, you're, you're going into your employer's office and uh, making those adjustments as needful. Um, any additional things? I know you covered it in the last, um, last bullet point that we were talking about, but... Um, Anything else to add there, Jody? Yeah, I, I, my personal approach is that I like an itty-bitty refund, right? I like about 500 bucks in terms of a refund. That covers what I got to pay my CPA, and it puts a couple of bucks in my pocket, and we can go have a little bit of fun. Uh, more than 500 bucks, I get, I start to get a little worried. So, um, uh, again, it goes back to just making sure that your, especially your W-2 is, is tidied up uh, and that the math is right on that. And that you're also maximizing all your deductions throughout the year. You're ma I'm sorry, you're maximizing your tax deferred savings throughout the year, whether it's your 401k or what are your, your ESA savings or whatever else you're doing for your family. Make sure you're maximizing those, those savings plans and putting aside that money and, and just making sure that math works because um, you get one shot to, to get it right, you know, it, around this time of year. And then you sail through until this time again next year when the taxes come due again. So make sure you get it done right. Attack it, get it done, and let it sit. Great advice, Jody. Great advice. I, I guess we'll jump into the recap for today. I think for me it still comes down to my two pieces of advice. They're in their mind. They're going to be a little bit contrary to what you're going to probably give, Jody. But I, I like to keep tight control over the financial paperwork to make sure that when I go – with my friend, or if you're going to your account, you have all your paperwork in order, ready to go, make it easy on yourself, make it easy on your friend, make it easy on your accountant to be able to accelerate getting that process uh, completed in a timely manner. My second pieces of, of advice is if you're 
unsure and it'd be great to even out and break even on your refund. But if you're unsure, uh, the single claiming single zero on your W-2 will almost assuredly mean you'll never pay taxes. Uh, you'll never have to pay at the end of the year, but you might get a, a decently sized refund. Uh, but Jody, what's your summary recap? Uh, uh, same stuff. Get all your paperwork together, you know, between January 2 and February 15th, more or less, all of your tax documentation should come in from everybody who's required by law to provide it. So if you don't have it all in-house by February 15th, start calling people and bugging them. Um, some, some institutions are good with it and some stink. So make the people who stink make their lives miserable because you're entitled to that information. Um, also, as an option sign up, you might want to sign up for paperless billing from certain institutions that offer it because they will post those tax documents on a secure website for you. So when you log into a portal, there might be a PDF of a particular tax document and you can just grab, you know, you can grab off the website, save it as a PDF in your computer, print it out, bring it to your tax professional. Um, I actually take all my, as a little secret, I take all my tax documentation and I scan it into the computer and I save it to my computer. Um, so I have a copy of it. So then when I hand it over to my tax professional, they've got a copy and I've got a copy and say, in case something gets lost, we've got something that we can print out. Um, but just it's one of these organizational things, too. Right. You just got to organize it all. Make sure you got it all together. Um, your tax professional should also, if you work with one, be able to give you a list of the of the documentation that you need. So go down that list and make sure you've got all that stuff squared away. Um, but then make that appointment, get into the tax professional if you're not going to do it yourself, um, and, and just get it done and get it done as soon as possible. Because as time ticks down, you know, I, I know folks who do taxes for a living, you know, they start to get really crazy around the third week of March and their eyes start to turn a different color and their hair starts to fall out. They get really nuts because they're under the gun. So get it you, the earlier you get it done. Uh, the happier they are, uh, the faster you get your refund or know you're going to have to pay something uh, and get that and get it out of your life too. just get it done and get it over with and get on with the rest of your life. Because, you know, taxes are one of those things that can just suck you dry. So so get it out of the way as fast as possible. What great advice. I mean, I think on the back of this podcast today, I will over this weekend pull the tax folder, start the organization methodology, confirm the appointment with my buddy. And, and really try to knock this out quickly. So I'm glad that we picked this topic today. I think it'll get me motivated to get my taxes done um, in the next couple of weeks. So thank you, Jody. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you Managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the financial dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you.